in case you missed it on Newsbreak. This half hour, political parties into the IEC results um, Political parties enter the IC results centre in Victoria. They're not convinced elections were free and fair. And the parties that are here are not convinced that the trajectory that you are on is a trajectory that is going to deliver a free and fair election. The IEC says they will conduct an audit. The Electoral Commission is encouraged by the rapid arrest of four voters in KwaZulu-Natal in conjunction with the alleged double voting. As noted yesterday, any attempt to vote more than once leaves a clear footprint in the electoral process. Patricia Dalil says she's moved on to good things in the National Assembly. I will continue to expose corruption because I believe that, you know, we need to encourage more people to speak up. And the IFP upbeat about regaining lost ground in KwaZulu-Natal. Well, we're hoping to retain the second position in KZN. We did a lot of work in the urban areas and in the rural areas looking at the results. The DA have not featured as well as they claim to have featured. It's been a very busy day here at the IEC Results Centre in Pretoria. We'll bring you all the details about this as we talk cutting-edge current affairs. I'll also be joined by our political expert, Mr. Angelo Vick, who's going to be joining us with expert analysis as we dissect the results coming through. It's Newsbreak, a special edition this afternoon. I'm Taresh Hari Pashad. Keep it locked on to us as we bring you cutting-edge current affairs. Well, political parties who are unconvinced that the 2019 general election has been free and fair have staged a protest at the IEC Results Operations Centre in Pretoria. A group of parties, including the Black First, Land First, the Forum for Service Delivery and the African Transformation Movement, or ATM, have called on the IEC to investigate their concerns to rerun elections even. ATM's Mzwanele Jumimanyi says the allegation of double votes is the fundamental issue tainting the electoral process. What you're seeing here are all the parties that are disgruntled, parties that are not happy whole process of the election. And the parties that are here are not convinced that the trajectory that you are on is a trajectory that is going to deliver a free and fair election. And you are saying there are quite a number of issues that have been raised by all of us that are here. Yes. All these issues have indeed been put to the attention of the IEC. For us, it is a crucial issue that the issue of the ink is the fundamental issue that is undermining the credibility of these elections. Yes. As an example, myself, I have voted. I am a, a member of a, a political party amongst these here, ATM, African Move. Transformation Movement. As you can see, that my left thumb is as thin as it gets. Mm, mm. So, therefore, if I had wanted to go and vote anywhere else, nothing stopped me from doing that. So, we are saying, with all these double votes that have, uh, have, have come to pass, the, the credibility of these elections is at stake. Yes. So the parties are here to bring that to the attention of the people of South Africa that uh, this whole thing here is not what it is uh, 
it is projected to be a free and fair election. The processes have been flawed. There's been all kinds of uh, issues that have been raised. It's a whole raft of things. That was the ATM's Jimmy Manyi. Well, meanwhile, the IEC says it will conduct an audit to check if there has been double voting at some polling stations. At least four people have been arrested in KwaZulu-Natal following allegations that they were able to cast votes more than once at different stations. The commission says it will need experts to help determine the extent of irregularities on double voting. And Debo Mokobo has more. After casting their votes on Wednesday, South Africans are waiting for the election results with bated breath and the IUC is leaving nothing to chance in ensuring they remain credible. With allegations that some voted more than once, the IUC Chief Electoral Officer Saima Mabolo says they have instituted an investigation. The Electoral Commission will urgently conduct an audit of results and votes cast in a sample of voting stations to ascertain if double voting occurred. The audit will cover a statistically representative sample of voting stations as well as where complaints and allegations of double voting have been received. The final number and selection of the sample will be determined in conjunction with expert statisticians. The process was endorsed by the party liaison committee this morning. And Mama Bulo explains how the investigation is going to unfold. The audit will involve the capture of information showing the ID numbers of voters who cast vote at each voting station, from the zip-zips, scanners, and the completed VEC4 forms. The data will then be cross-referenced and compared to identify any instances of multiple voting to establish scientifically whether such instances were isolated or systematic and what the material impact is, if any, to the results. In most voting districts, the VEC4 forms and the zip-zips have already been returned to local offices as part of the rollback of materials following the conclusion of counting. The Electoral Commission has ordered the urgent docking of ZipZip scanners to upload what information has been captured relating to voter participation. He says already police have made some arrests in relation to the double voting allegations. The Electoral Commission is encouraged by the rapid arrest of four voters in KwaZulu-Natal in conjunction with the alleged double voting. As noted yesterday, any attempt to vote more than once leaves a clear footprint in the electoral process and the suspects were tracked down using this information. Meanwhile, the Electoral Commission is expected to release the results on Saturday, but with the surfacing of such allegations, there are fears the announcement could be delayed. I am Tebu Mokobe, the IEC Results Operations Centre in Pretoria. Mm. Well, I think a lot of irregularities doing the rounds here, the allegations of them, the concern about them, we've reported on a protest taking place. IEC wants to now investigate it, and it's some worrying times there about the results. And at this point, then, I'd like to welcome Mr. Angelo Fick onto the broadcast. So thanks for your time. Thank you for um, fitting us into the schedule. I know it's been pretty busy right now as results come in. Well, good afternoon. Good evening. It's just it's also been a long day, and so... Um, there are some issues that I think we need to get out of the way right at the beginning, yeah. which is um, this is a game of statistics and mathematics as mm. well, that we're looking at possibly 16 million people who participated in the elections. Um, and so when we look at irregularities, we need to ask ourselves how representative mm. of the experience were these irregularities. 
So if we accept that the irregularities are unacceptable and the IEC needs to deal with them, that's the first. And mm -hmm. I think no one involved, including the protesting parties and the ones who vaguely accepted the results so far, yep. have any question that any irregularities must be dealt with and that, that anybody who is involved in them must be charged. And the INC has actually been quite proactive in that regard. The second question we have to ask is, once we have a global picture of how far and widespread these irregularities were, yeah. we'll have a sense of whether they represent a substantial impact on the election outcomes. Mm -hmm. If the suggestion is that double voting was widespread yeah. enough for this to be a serious concern, it would mean that actual individual voter turnout was even lower than it currently is. Yeah. And it would also mean that the people engaging in this would have had to know this and would have had to behave in a fairly conspiratorial way because the science, the statistics, do not underpin this idea that the people who got sidelined by the current results were the targets of a concerted effort. That many of the behaviours that we see now are also behaviours of people who either don't understand the mathematics of the system or are using opportunistically the misunderstanding of those mathematics to drive their concerns that they're not getting the results that they aimed for. Mm. You know, an interesting conversation just now that we had with the, with the editorial team here was, was precisely what you were pointing out. And, and, and what we then said was, um, it, it comes down to the, um, the issue of the principle versus you know, the race for parliament principle of the IEC is fair, free and fair elections, whether it is one irregular vote or 10,000. And now when you have an issue of us trying to understand the margin of irregularity, doesn't it go against even the IEC's principle of free and fair elections, which they've been celebrated quite a great deal for since 94? I think there is a misunderstanding that the principle is a cut and dry. It is an either-or. Mm. If we go back to the United States in 2000, there were masses of irregularities across the system, but in the end, the Supreme Court of the United States found that it was a largely, and very specifically, free and fair election, despite yeah. what was going on in Florida. And that was fairly widespread. In South Africa in 2019, so far, the accusations and allegations that are being forwarded is that there were instances and incidents the numbers of these have not been clarified, and this is what the IEC has asked for. And I'm not defending the IEC. Yeah. I am suggesting that the parties who are unhappy about the process should follow the process. They say they've raised this with the IEC. The IEC has said this is the process that they're going to institute. Mm. An auditing firm will come in and look at how regular and irregular this was. And statistically, they will analyze whether this influences the results. Absolutely. The difference in a and I must stress this, if there are 22,500 voting stations, if this happened at 15 stations, it does not affect what happened at 22,500 yep. stations. Yep. If this happened to 100 voters, it doesn't affect what actually was the experience of 16 million voters. Mm. And people need to start thinking through the mathematics of this. And I know yep. this is not a strong point in South Africa, but we cannot simply yep. dismiss the majority yep. experience because of these exceptions. And I think when you talk about that kind of mathematics, one needs to weigh in the logistical uh, process of having a real rerun of an election, the cost of having a rerun of an election, and, and, and I think is South Africa ready? Possibly don't really have the time to dissect something like that. Well, let's, let's shift away, but, uh, but, but I think on this point then I want to ask you, um, you know, if you could help us understand perhaps um, what impact this would have on a delay in the actual final release of results? 
So if the political parties follow the process, they will challenge the IEC to you know, investigate these issues. The IEC has not yet come back with any kind of finding and already political parties are objecting to the IEC altogether. We have mm. one party suggesting that the IEC is itself compromised uh, for very specific ideological reasons. Now, this means that there is a preempting of the process that mm -hmm. has been engaged in by parties who should ideally, in a responsible manner, behave not just to give their supporters, but to give the entire electoral process the benefit of the doubt of working itself out in the processes. Mm. If you preempt the outcome, I call it a certain kind of defense where you enter a competition, then when it looks like you're not going to win, you say, well, the competition was illegitimate to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. The first question that we then have to ask you is, why did you enter the competition to begin with? Absolutely. Because unless you wanted to prove that the competition was illegitimate, this is silly. And I think what we need to do is give the IEC a chance to respond to the political party challenges. And let's remind ourselves that there is a multi-party forum in which this should be happening. Mm. I think we'll move on now to some of the key role players on that leaderboard and manage to speak with them. It was a busy day and run up and down trying to get some interviews. And I think uh, if we look at the results of good at this stage nationally, when you look at it with about six, just over 65% of results captured, um, good sits with about just over 55,000 votes. They got a seat in Parliament, that means. they've And they are, um, got about 0.55% of the vote. Good leader Patricia Delort says that it is not an issue to work with the DA in the Western Cape, though. After several court cases and internal processes, Delort parted ways with the DA last year and went on to form her own political party. Delort says she has since moved on. Well, we're very grateful and also humbled at the same time because for us, any amount of votes or seats that we receive will be a victory uh, because we just started five months ago. Uh, but because we also have a five-year plan, uh, this is the start of the process to lay the foundation for uh, 2021 elections. Um, the call for good South Africans to come together, uh, because if good people do nothing, that's why evil and corruption and all of these wrong things uh, triumph in our country. I definitely think there is value in the proposition uh, especially in a multi-party democracy. Mm. You've got a great track record as an individual, as a politician in the Western Cape. Taking that into account, what do you attribute this um, growing success for good now, the polls? I've never been intimidated by numbers or by size. You know, there's this whole thing about the so-called big parties. For me, it's not about size, it's about quality. Uh, and you can have a single voice, but if that voice is principled and honest, you can make a bigger difference um, than, than, than it, some of these big parties put together. And that has always been my modus operandi, and that is to go uh, to the real issues, the bread and butter issues. But also, I've not shied away from controversy. You know, if something needs to be said, it must be said. Uh, I mean, I've exposed corruption. I will continue to expose corruption. Because I believe that, you know, we need to encourage more people to speak. Um, you say you don't want to shy away from controversy and you take it head on. The decision to part ways with the Democratic Alliance, of course, that was highly publicized and a lot of discussion took yes. place about that. It, one could go as far as saying it was a little bit messy. Having said that, yeah. how are you now going to create or form a good working relationship with the DA in the Western Cape? 
to me, it's never been about the DA. To me, it was about my own personal rights. I was in a very abusive relationship and I walked away. I won three court cases in a row um, and I had the law on my side. And it's all about rights. I mean, I fought for this rights. So my relationship with the Democratic Alliance, they must continue doing what they think is best. My values have not changed. I continue to do what I can do best. But to me, it's not an issue, really. It's, uh, it's something that's behind me now. Um, I also, um, we cannot be caught in the past. We must honor our past. We must remember our past. But we must design our own future. And you know, if we look at it specifically, uh, I think within a Western Cape uh, perspective, yeah. you know, you've got uh, ANC who's constantly been working against the Democratic Alliance, and you've got yourself now as an emerging party, uh, a growing party, and often these parties are looked upon for coalitions. Your thoughts on a coalition with the ANC? No, we're not interested in coalitions with anyone. Um, we didn't participate in these elections having in mind who are we going to uh, jump into bed with. Um, and we, we made our point very clear, but we did say that in the event, as prescribed by law, you need to have 50% plus one of the elected representative. If that situation arises, we will certainly talk to people. And that was good leader Patricia Delal. Stangelo Fick, your thoughts? I mean, did you, I, I think going into the Western Cape when we did a lot of, um, you know, um, pre-election work, a lot of support came through for Patricia Delille, and I knew she was one to watch out for in this election. Your thoughts on how she's faring thus far? I mean, she's, you know, and the Western Cape, she's in the top four just behind uh, the EFF there, and of course also in the top ten, one seat at this stage in Parliament, in the National Assembly. So in some senses, I think Patricia Little has always been a quixotic figure in South African politics. Let's not forget that she's principally responsible for bringing the arms um, deal scandal to mm. South Africa's attention and running with that to great unpopularity of the governing party and often also being ignored by the opposition party when she was still a member of the Pan-Africanist People's Congress, the PAC. What we're seeing since is her formation of the ID, then her incorporation into the DA, and now this formation called Good. And she's suggesting that she will return to some of the work of the ID, but under some of the guise of the PAC work that she used to do in the late 1990s as somebody who fought corruption. Um, and that, I think, has its own trajectory. Um, and what I think we need to bear in mind is that um, of the 55,000 people that we've counted so far who voted for her, and presumably when the count is done, that figure would be higher, those people would then have an investment in this. How she negotiates this at both provincial level and at national assembly level is going to be the test, because this is not 20 years ago. This is 2019, and the political stakes and the political gamesmanship has certainly shifted a lot since she was last in the national assembly. Mm. Well, I think fascinating, and I want to take it further with you on that, but unfortunately, I think with our time, we're unable to, but I think we'll keep that going, that conversation going for, for the um, hours to come here as results come through. Then let's shift to the EFF, because um, that's another party that one has watched quite extensively at this stage nationally, 9.82% of the votes, and that's with 65% of the results captured. And Secretary General Godrej Gardi says it's best to not preempt the results, but he adds that they are ready to govern. Well, I think many people poo-pooed the economic freedom fighters when they launched in 2014 and were surprised by their 6%. 
And I think those same people continue to be surprised by a party and they're not paying attention to what's happening on the ground in South Africa. Mm. The fact that the EFF is now moving into potentially the double digits and may score as high as 10% in this election was to be expected because many of the issues that they speak to their um, you know, traditional supporter base on have not been resolved by the post-apartheid um, mm. ANC's fifth administration. Uh, and the sixth administration doesn't promise any further development on those issues. The majority quest of the poor in what is now the most unequal society in the world will not be addressed by neoliberal policies or by promises that are about market-related adjustments. And so the EFF's suggestion is that they will fill that gap. Whether they'll do it or not is a different story. Yeah. As for saying that they're ready for governance, certainly the electorate doesn't support that suggestion of theirs and has voted them into the official opposition in some provinces and have returned them in a higher number in the National Assembly, but certainly not in significant significant enough numbers for us to imagine that in 2024 the electorate will swing so wildly and vote them into power. Absolutely. Well, let's hear from uh, EFF Secretary General Godrej Gardi. I think it's too early to tell. The people of South Africa are still speaking through the IEC. And uh, what are my thoughts about it? We ran a very clean, powerful campaign. We were the only party that was campaigning. And uh, we should see the results. I think at this stage, what's coming through strongly is that the EFF is showing a growth trajectory. A lot of analysts are saying that you are going to uh, be stronger than your your 6% from the 2014 election. I wouldn't uh, take anything that comes from the analyst. I'm waiting for the people of South Africa to speak through the IEC. It's too early to tell. Let's allow the IEC yeah. to do its work. Yeah. Let's not preempt it. The, it is an institution of integrity. We shouldn't uh, raise uh, high hopes and only to find that uh, it doesn't come to pen like that. Yeah. Let's allow the people of South Africa yeah. to talk. Yeah. I know the EFF made some very strong statements, particularly in the 2016 local government election, by saying that you are not um, going to give give your consolidation of votes to any particular party. Is that still the similar situation? Because many are saying that the the ANC and the EFF could look quite comfortable together. Let us allow the people of South Africa to speak. It's still a long way to go on Saturday, and then the people of South Africa will tell us which way to go. We are a government in waiting. We can't wait to take over the union buildings. Come Monday, when we walk uh, majestically on a red carpet to that uh, 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 the, the east side or the or is it the east side or the west uh, the west wing chief there at union buildings? <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> yeah, you'll find west out wing. and tell me. You'll find yeah. out and tell me. Ah, no, you find out and tell us. Sure, thank, thank you. you so much. Sure. Well, there you go there, Mr. Peck. EFF, ready for it? But I think let's leave it there with them as they wait to keep their uh, cards very close to their chest, as they always do. Let's move on to the IFP, and specifically within the um, KZN context, it's been quite interesting. Also semi-predicted with the NFP's you know, so-called decline um, in, in recent times, the IFP looks to be regaining lost ground in KwaZulu-Natal since 1994. In the latest results, a strong showing has brought the party to second position. At this stage, they are second in KwaZulu-Natal behind the ANC. They're sitting at 18.82% of support at this stage. They've leapfrogged the Democratic Alliance there. IFP Member of Parliament Narayan Singh says the party is confident as votes are counted from their strongholds. Well, we're expecting very good results from our strongholds. We have received informal results in our office, and it looks good. However, we cannot count on them until they are officially recorded by the IEC. But from what we see coming through, results are coming in very well. And what I'm pleased about from looking at results in every municipality so far, in every district where 
results have come in. The IFP have featured either second or third, and I think that's a good sign for us moving forward. And the DA has a very strong presence in KZN. However, IFP is standing at second position at the moment. Your sentiments on this? Well, we're hoping to retain the second position in KZN. We did a lot of work in the urban areas and in the rural areas looking at the results. The DA have not featured as well as they claim to have featured. And hopefully our rural results will, will outweigh or counterbalance uh, what they get in the cities. But looking at city voting districts as well, I mean, I'm pleasantly surprised that in areas like uh, Chatsworth, Umkumas, and other areas where there are mainly Indian voters, the IFP received a fair share of votes. The DA may have received more, but it hasn't been a clean sweep of votes in those areas. And there were reports yesterday that the apathy turnout prompted the IFP to a last-minute push among their supporters. Do you believe that this last-minute push has helped the IFP to obtain second position? Yeah, my colleague at the Rock Centre in Pretoria had called us at about 3 or 4 in the afternoon indicating that the IEC itself was concerned that the voter turnout was going to be very low and they pressed upon party leaders to try and do their best. And uh, we went out, we asked all our leaders to go out to make announcements to people, not to vote for the IFP if they didn't want to, but to please come out and exercise their right to vote. It's disappointing that there is such a low turnout, uh, more especially among the youth. This country is there for the youth and their future. So hopefully we will have to sit down around a table and see how we can get the youth more interested in the local government election and the next national election. That's a wrap of to this evening's edition or special edition of Newsbreak here on Lotus FM. It's exactly half past nine and uh, that's a wrap from Taresh Hariprashad at the IEC Nerve Centre that is in Pretoria. Thank you very much to the team. That's Rachel Vardy and myself, Samal Patel. And also we had some technical assistance from Dees. So keep it locked on to Lotus FM. Dees uh, will be back a little in a little while with uh, more great music.